Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachma. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Hello and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Thursday, July 27th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered And these tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the two words that say start here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book, His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And that chapter of the book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for over almost 19 years now to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also, from that web page, download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you do that, before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart heart icon. If you choose to tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process, and it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. We help people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they actively apply these tools in their lives, and secondarily, because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. If you have any of those to share with us, please do so by giving us a call at 563-999-3581. If you call that number and press 1 on your phone, it will put the little icon of a hand by your phone number 
I'll see that you have your hand raised and turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code. And we greatly appreciate when people do that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention with this work is to be of service. And as I said, that is far easier to do when we get feedback from people letting us know how are these monologues, how are these interactive calls, how are these books we're reading, how is the worksheet process working for you or landing for you. All of those are wonderful things to share with us, and it prompts us to have a much easier time being of service. So um, we have uh, a lot of different topics we can talk about. We've been doing the radio show now for 12 and a half years. And we have all kinds of um, input from people through the support group process and all kinds of input from people on the Internet show. And any of these are valid topics for discussion today or any, any day basically on the show unless we've got a special guest. So, area code 760, you're in the air. Hi, this is Anne. Um, Hello, Anne. I just wanted I just wanted to share an example of this whole perception thing that we, um, and then I have a question after I share it, if that's okay. Sure. Um, the, my daughter sent me a, on the phone, sent me a website. And so last night, I just happened to see it before I went to bed, so I didn't click on it. And I interpreted it as TRIP Awards, and it was like abbreviation for it. So it's spelled T-R-I-P-A-W-D-S. So I thought it was TRIP, and then A-W-D-S was abbreviation for awards. TRIP Awards, why would she be sending me that? I didn't click on it. I was going to bed. I clicked on it earlier today, and it's, it's not that at all. It's tripods, and P-A-W-D-S is a takeoff on dog's paws or cat paws because our dog just had an amputation over the week, um, earlier this week, and um, hurt one of her dogs. And I've been a part of that by going up there and visiting and, and helping with some of that before she had the amputation. And so I'm going, okay, when you look at that, to me, it looked like triple words. <laughs> it was nothing to do with it. So my question is, if when words that we read, um, we are we still doing, like yesterday you talked about the 80% of our, um, when we're listening, 80% of it is generated by our own um, what's going on with us and what we're, how we're interpreting, right? And so can the same thing happen when we're reading? Um, oh, it happens people, all the time. What people yes. okay. It happens okay. all the time. And, um, <laughs> you know, sometimes we read it accurately and interpret it inaccurately. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, like, like you, you, 
you might say, how could you not have seen the PAWS, right? right? Well, but you saw it. Right, right. It just didn't register that way in your brain. Right. Michael likes to cite the um, the research where they had electrodes mapping the brain activity in in the brain of a cat when they would ring a bell. Okay. And the cat would hear the bell and you could see the brain activity light up in the brain of the cat. And so they're identified, they're mapping out, you know, which part of the brain is registering the hearing for the cat, etc. And then they decided, let's see what happens when we have a distraction. So you bring a mouse into the picture and you show the, the, the cat a mouse or a picture of a mouse, either one, and then you ring the bell and that part of the cat's brain doesn't even light up. Now, you know its know. ear is still re- registering the sound, Right. So the the ear didn't get plugged up. You didn't put the cat in a soundproof booth. So the the, the vibration is still hitting the ear right. and still stimulating the nerves, and yet it's not registering in the brain. Well, we are all like that for a, a wide variety of things. Whenever we have a certain mindset, a certain belief system, a certain filter set in our minds, it actually changes the way our brains register the inputs from our senses. Right. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, that makes so much sense because immediately I go to the distractions that happen to myself when I'm either listening. And so... Uh, that is so like when I'm trying to listen to somebody, and well, actually, it happened yesterday. When I had uh, my daughter on the phone, they had just come back from the hospital with the dog, and I'm looking out my sunroom window, and one of the smaller, uh, I'm going to call it a baby, black snake, had, was crawling out of the hedge and had its head up. And I was listening to her, but I saw the snake, and I said, oh, that is so cool. And I'm focused on that instead of, oh, my gosh. But that's, yeah. So we only hear maybe part of what the person is saying when we get distracted by anything. Well, and, so you know, like, a bunch of cats. <laughs> look at the, well, we're, we're, we all function in a similar way. Look at. Jeannie reading um, Michael Singer. Um, Did you listen to the second right, hour of the right. show yesterday? Yeah. Michael says, go ahead, let's see if we can finish this up. And, and Jeannie maybe gets two or three minutes into the reading, and Michael says, okay, stop, 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 stop. Not and Michael no. was so triggered <laughs> that he went on right. his monologue diatribe about you know, and 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 he's yeah. saying you know that Michael Singer has been hoodwinked by the 
culture and he's missing the point dramatically and he's wrong about this, etc. And yet, if you aren't triggered that way and you listen to what Michael Singer is saying, he's saying be in the moment fully alive every moment. Enjoy life. It, it's so similar to Michael Rice's message, right, that it but if you yeah. get triggered and think, oh, well, we got we have to stomp this out, we have to change this, we want to cherry pick this word, or then it the the filter, at the activation of the filter in our minds and and the flooding of our whatever's registering from our senses. That's a wonderful example of the eighty percent. Mm-hmm. Right, only twenty yeah. percent is coming across from the words or from the intent of of the philosopher or the spiritual teacher. In this case, it's Michael Singer, but it could be anybody. And eighty percent of my response and my interpretation is coming from my past and from my filters. That's true for all of us, whether it's Michael Rice or Doug, who called yesterday, or people in the support group on Tuesdays. We all have our own filters. And those filters, when they're active, are powerful determiners and determinants of what's even going to register in our brain, let alone how we're going to interpret it. Right. So it makes me wonder how we even understand what anybody is saying. <laughs> well, but it, it, does, it does help us understand how there is so much conflict and how people... Yeah. Yeah argue so vehemently about this point and that. Absolutely. Absolutely. But just thinking of that, that I'm bringing, you know, getting a laugh out of it is better than, it's like, so maybe the next time, you know, I have a conflict, I can think of the humor of it. Wait, wait, what, what is it that I'm even hearing? Or what are they really saying? I don't know. I I just that's, think it that's an excellent that's an excellent position to move into and yeah. it's, it's not even even if an argument as such in quotes whatever that means even if I don't think an argument has begun if I feel a tightness or a tension within me yeah that's a really good question to start asking I wonder what they're actually saying I wonder if what they're saying <laughs> has anything to do with the way I'm interpreting it right now. Right, right. And I think that's what I was doing too once, because I listened to most of it, but then I had to go, but um, to what um, Jeannie was reading yesterday and then Michael's interpretation of it. And then he let her go to the end, and then I thought, okay, so what am I thinking about that? And I just started, yeah, going there, and I go, huh, okay, I was neither, you know, one side or the other. And then when you just said what you said, I go, I think that's where I was going with. It's just the whole, the whole to me, the whole point of what Singer was saying was, yeah, um, be appreciative of what you have right now. And so I, I, I went there with some thoughts that way as well. And it's like, yeah, what would I do if, you know, if I had the diagnosis and, I certainly would be doing things different. So why don't I do those things different now? Uh, mm, I thought of that this morning. Mm. 
So, yeah. And and to bring the humor into it, like you said, it, that, that whole, what, what is the ancient scripture that talks about, or one of the Proverbs or something, laughter is the best medicine. I can see now why that would be true. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yes, thank well, you and, for you that. Know, because it's 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 stuff like the way of mastery says, let not seriousness enter the mind. Don't take yourself so yeah. seriously. Yeah, yeah. That's that's part of the that ancient wisdom. I remember, yeah, I remember a professor saying, "You're too hard on yourself." Way back in college, and I go, "That was the first time somebody actually reflected on me, where I took it, you know, as a healthy thing, and it was like great." Because I have, and I've had to watch that. But now, yeah, with with this work, and and yeah, and when I work it, it works. <laughs> um, it's so much better to be laughing about a situation than being so serious about it. Anyway, yeah, great. Anyway, thanks so much. I appreciate you yeah, verifying that. I'm going to well, remember that's, this. <laughs> that's that's a great example. You know, you're. Uh, your trip rewards, you know, uh, and how it's got nothing, what you were actually looking at had nothing to do with how it registered in your brain. That's a great example. If I hadn't clicked on it, right, if I hadn't clicked on it this morning, I would have still thought it meant that. Yep. And I would have said to my daughter the next time I talked to her, well, why would you send me that? And then she'd start laughing because she would already know it didn't mean that. So when I did click on it and see, it still took me a second. Like when I'm watching, you know, the different blogs and how they've got, you know, different apparatuses and stuff to help three-legged animals. And it wasn't a little scrolling down before I realized, oh, my gosh, that's what that means. <laughs> so then it was even funnier. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Okay. Great conversation. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. I'll mute you so you can continue to listen. 563-999-3581. When Ann talks about that, I remember that I was looking at a a news article on my um, computer screen. This was a lot of years ago, but it was when I was thoroughly... Um, aware of Michael's work, and uh, I saw this news article and saw and uh, the headline, and I thought, oh, this is an article about other famous people who are in prison with O.J. Simpson. That's what my mind thought. So I clicked to read the article. And it took me to a page, and I didn't find anything about who are the other famous people who are in the same prison as O.J. Simpson. So I clicked back to the main article, and I read it again and then clicked it. And I must have gone back and forth three or four times before I got back to the main headline, and I read it and realized it had nothing to do with that. It was a headline with the word prison in it and on that same page there was a separate picture of O.J. Simpson but it had nothing to do with 
other famous people that were in, a, in, in the same prison as O.J. Simpson. Just, I just, I laughed. I talked about it on the Internet show. I just, it was such a wonderful example about how we, we make all this stuff up. We are creating our own realities. We are creating our own perception so powerfully and actively in every moment, and we're never taught that in our lives. We aren't educated about how active the process of perception is, and it's a critically important piece for navigating the world and navigating the world peacefully, respectfully, etc., so so five six three nine 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 three five eight one if you call that number and press one, we can have a conversation i I will repeat that we will not have a support group tonight. It's a Thursday, normally we have a support group. I'm having the day off the evening off anyway. And we will resume again next week with Tuesday and Thursday groups. All the information about joining us for next Tuesday and or next Thursday would be available at mindshiftersacademy.org website. Please feel free to either join us. It's absolutely free or pass that information along to somebody that you think might benefit. And we will resume. And, and uh, this is you know, in in a like fashion to what Ann was just talking about, we are in those groups on a regular basis. We're introduced to how radically different my perception is from somebody else's. When we think we're all listening to the same thing or we're all watching the same video or we're all hearing the same thing from someone who's talking, and the the fact of the matter is we are rarely hearing or seeing the same thing. Rarely. And the fact that it doesn't blow up in our faces more often is is the true amazing thing. The fact that we effectively communicate very much at all is truly amazing when you consider how active our process of perception is and how haywire it can be, how dramatically different our perceptions can be from one situation to the next, from one person to the next. And that's why, you know, for for so much of my time and work here, I highly prefer talking about the practical aspects of this work and how if I choose to pick up a reality management worksheet and or a targeted journaling session and just use the tool and watch the impact, watch the shift or change, that's how... I get the results. I can talk for 
hours about what I believe or what somebody else believes. Forget hours. I could talk for years about that, decades for, about that. But my belief about something has almost nothing to do with the actuality of life. One of my uh, favorite um, singer-songwriters is John Mayer. And um, he has a song, Belief. And the lyrics... Uh, To me, it's just a, a very profound set of lyrics. The lyrics read, Is there anyone who ever remembers changing their mind from the paint on a sign? In other words, the, the, the word somebody paints on a sign and marches around in protest. Is there anyone who really recalls ever breaking ranks at all? In other words, changing their beliefs at all? because of something someone yelled real loud one time? The lyrics go on and say, everyone believes in how they think it ought to be. Everyone believes. And they're not going easily. Belief is a beautiful armor, but it makes for the heaviest sword. It's like punching underwater. You never can hit who you're trying for. Some people need the exhibition, and some have to know they tried. It's the chemical weapon for the war that's raging on inside. Everyone believes, from emptiness to everything. Everybody's got their beliefs. Everyone believes, and they're not going quietly. And then he says, we're never going to win the world. We're never going to stop the war. We're never going to beat this if belief is what we're fighting for. We're never going to win the world. We're never going to stop the war. We're never going to beat this thing if belief is what we're fighting for. You can't You can't have a belief, this is right out of a Krishnamurti series of talks, you can't have a belief that accurately represents life. Because a belief is old, dead thoughts. They've been codified into words and written down or spoken, and life is this infinite flow, this changing every present moment so a belief is not the truth of life any more than a Polaroid snapshot of a person is the whole truth of that person the other thing that struck me in the past few days is people cherry picking from scriptures and all of our greatest spiritual teachers do this in one form or another 
this is the truth of what my guru said. This other thing that's been attributed to him, this was wrong. This part, so-and-so had right. That part, they were way off base for. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the West Wing, and you can find this if you look up on YouTube. West Wing, Old Testament, that's probably all you need. And there was a, a scene where a radio personality was known for her conservative view. And she would talk to her uh, radio audience about how homosexuality was bad according to the Bible. That it was a sin and an abomination according to the Bible. And the 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 actor who was playing the president on West Wing confronted her on this and said, absolutely agree with you. And let me ask you about this. You know, is it, is it true that we have to kill everybody who's touched uh, a football because it's a pigskin? And is it true that I have to sell my daughter into slavery and what would be a fair price for it? And all these other things that are actually in the Old Testament. And, of course, people don't argue for those things. They cherry-pick what they want from a scripture or from what they call a holy book or from an ancient text or from their favorite teacher. And we all do this. And so one of the biggest gifts for me in this work is the awareness of the internal process within me and my growing ability to stay more actively tuned into the earliest warning signs of tightness or tension or upset. And instead of assuming, as my culture has trained me, that this means that what somebody else is saying is bad or wrong or needs to be, you know, stopped or shut down or shouted down, when I feel that tightness or tension within myself, the most useful thing I can do is take that calming breath and turn inside and keep the focus of my attention inside myself and work to dismantle that tension before I sit and spin with my thoughts and or before I decide to speak or take an action that you know one of the one of the words that Dr one of the phrases Dr Michael Rice had on one of the earlier worksheets is if I'm in pain I'm in error now the current seven step worksheet the most recent one I was aware of has it stated as if I'm in pain my thinking is in error. And so the question for me and, and the most useful thing for me in that situation is to ask, can I dismantle this discomfort, this contraction, this pain, this upset, before I sit and spin with my thoughts, speak or take an action? 
Area code 610, Susan. Hi, Dr. Kim. I'm so sorry I missed the beginning of the radio show. You were, you and Ann were laughing so much, and I thought, what, what, what? What's it about? Well, Ann, Ann was talking point. about, she was talking about getting a message. Well, there, you're not the only one. There's like four or five other people who've come on since then, so I'm happy to repeat it. Ann was, had gotten a message from her daughter last night, and Anne thought it said something about um, a trip reward. And she thought that, you know, this something she didn't need to pay any attention to, and so she didn't do anything with it. And she woke up this morning and looked at it, and it has to do with something about animals who've lost a paw. And that's very relevant because her her daughter has a, a an animal that, needed an amputation and she was supporting her with that so she was just talking about how you know distorted her perception was that she actually thought she read words that had to do with some kind of a trip rewards program when really it had something to do with p-a-w-s pause and animals (laughs) so we start talking about how active our perception is and, um, you know, how it blocks out. I, I talked about the research that Michael Rice likes to quote about they, they do a brain scan on a cat and they ring a bell and it registers in the cat's brain and they can see the part of the cat's brain that lights up. Mm. Wonderful. And then they put a mouse in front of the cat and ring the bell and that part of the cat's brain stays silent. It doesn't light up. Now they know that the cat's ear is still registering the sound of the bell, but it's not making a neural connection in that part. It's not ever, it's not registering anywhere in the cat's brain when the cat is distracted by the mouse. Mm. That's amazing. And so that led, you know, just talking about how we all do that yeah and you know and how you know Michael yesterday was and said to Jeannie, go ahead and and read some of the uh Michael singer work, and within a minute or two, he said, "Okay, stop, 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 and Michael was so triggered that he went on his monologue diatribe about <laughs> how 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 michael singer is is off the mark and not saying anything, and I just said. And if you're not triggered that way and you listen to what Michael Singer is saying, he's basically saying so much, so similar to what Michael Rice is saying, live the moment, fully appreciate life, don't waste it. Life is precious and important and life, life, life. And he's using that word death and that was a trigger for Michael. But the essence of the message can't get through if I've been triggered, Mm -hmm. you know, to... My brain is saying to me that this is bad, this is wrong, this is opposite. And so we all do that all the time. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, we were just having a conversation about how it's a wonder that we don't have more, that, that we communicate as effectively as we do when we understand how, how clearly powerful our act of constructing realities truly is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. 
and then I was just it, it led me to talk about how belief is 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 a part of that, right? If I'm if I'm focusing on belief rather than direct observation, I am pouring a lot of my mind energy into old dead thoughts and they they aren't any more accurate about the flow of life than a Polaroid snapshot is accurate about who this person is, the whole person that I took the picture mm. of. Yeah. And I was just reading for the lyrics from John Mayer's song, oh, Belief. Those. Yeah, I heard those and thought, what wonderful lyrics those are. Oh, my gosh, that's great. I'll have to look that guy up. How do you spell his last name? M-A-Y-E-R. He has some very, okay. very well-crafted lyrics. Wonderful. Oh, great. Yeah. <clears throat> well, one of the things I've been thinking about, which is a little bit related to what you're saying, is that all my life I have thought, you know, when my kids were small and my boy particularly starting at puberty had anxiety and depression, I thought, oh, no, here we go again, because Kim Bingham had that and I had that. And we were saying to one another, well, it's inherited, it's a chemical disorder, it's this and that and the other slash, it's a mental illness. And that locks it in. That takes it off the table for negotiation. But as soon as you call it a thinking disorder or a thought disorder, suddenly there's a margin of, there's a hole in the fence or something. And you can say, I could work with that. Uh, then you have some agency and you have some responsibility and things can change. And that idea, order, instead of whatever we've been calling it, is a hugely liberating and, and help, helpful thing. And then add to that the immediacy of the using of a wake-up sheet and what you've been saying, maybe you've been saying it all along, but you know, it it didn't get in until just a, a couple of weeks ago. You started saying, notice the first and earliest sign of discomfort or upset or tightening or whatever. Exactly. Them right away. And that, then you can catch the thought that is no longer a mental illness. It's a thought. And I'm still having quite a lot of trouble uh, distancing and dismissing, allowing softening, breathing, tapping. I like all those things to allow the thought to depart as if it's something I have to deal with or believe. I'm trying to teach that to my grandson, Charlie. Same thing. He says, I can't get away from the fact that I can't enjoy my life if I think my dad meant this or that because he's got this OCD about relationships and Char and Charlie's dad. My son is the object of that. You can imagine what a mess that could be because my son who adores his boy can do no right. And he's at the point where he can't wait to get him off to college because there's no peace at home. And I'm think, I say to Charlie, it's just a thought. And who's having those thoughts? Those are your thoughts. I under, and he has a wonderful therapist, but he's just not 
quite applying it. He's bright. He'll tell me the whole theory. He understands what he's doing. But then he says, but I can't help it. And that's what you're dealing with is the can't help itness, and the fact that we eventually somehow, and who knows, that's the little, that's the little uh, chink in the armor when you say ask God for help or in step two of, you know, AA says, so you, in number one, you say you're powerless and number two, you say there is, there is help available, whatever you call it. And Charlie's beginning to get that. We've got the little, I gave him a little stone he can feel in his pocket. And whenever you get that bad thought, you feel the stone. And then you can remember that these are just thoughts. He says, I've got the stone. I've got the stone. But he's still in a lot of pain. But anyway, this, yes, bringing it back to where we can do something about it is so good. Whereas some of those other things are just totally beyond uh, where I could use them or apply them, like what Michael uh, Singer was saying about um, death, is, death isn't to be focused on. We can live forever, and I think I can't go that far. I have no brain cells for that. Maybe I should develop them, and maybe they're true. You have but no brain is, cells for what? Help me understand what you're saying, please. <laughs> no brains for feeling the truth of the fact that we don't need to shed our body at some point. Feeling the truth that physical death is not necessary. I don't feel that. But I think Michael Rice is onto something, but it's so far beyond what I can fathom that I sort of disengage. I need to come back to the tools and to what you're talking about, about just applying the immediate things that can help right now. Well, I have found that highly beneficial, right? I have found for myself that when I step out of the debate and just apply the tools to my own tension, mm-hmm. my own upset, you know, like I had a, uh, a dream on waking this morning, and it was all about um, uh, the idea of trying to convince somebody of something. And and, and the emotion that I had, at, I had these. I was aware of these two emotions: one was irritation, and one was sadness. So, mm-hmm. you know, I can go through all kinds of dream analysis and. I don't have to do that. I could just pick up a worksheet and put the irritation mm-hmm. and the sadness on two separate worksheets, figure out what thought mm-hmm. I'm using to create the emotion of irritation, figure out the separate thought I'm using to create the emotion of sadness, figure out the goals based on those thoughts, cancel them has to be shown. And when I do that, my life experience improves. I move yeah. out of that process of creating that negative emotion. And as we know, whenever I'm creating a negative emotion, it's powerfully affecting my perception of the world, of myself and the people around me. And so unless I like it, I'm yeah. going to, you know, more often than not, I'm going to opt to use the tool to change it. Right. Now that I know these very practical, absolutely free tools, 
that allow me to change this, that's where I put my energy more often than not. And 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 when people want to say, well, that's not, you should this, and I, when I have reached that point, most often what I say is, okay, that's it. I'm not going to argue with somebody who thinks I'm wrong oh, yeah. because this or that, or or that that we're going to prove some deep ultimate truth of life by arguing about. It. I just say, okay. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. Even the little then, song way of saying it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm I'm not going to uh, try to convince them, and I'm not going to give up the process that I know has been giving me good results. Right. You know, I was listening to Marianne Wilkinson in a little little tape just now, and she was. No, I think I've gotten off the track. No, I was listening to her, but quite, I think it was in the lyrics of um, John Meyer that you can do all this protesting, but how many people are going to change because somebody's waving a sign? Yeah, that's you. I've had that discussion with a good friend of mine who marches all over the place all the time, and I'm saying, I'm not doing that. And she says, why? You've got to do your civic duty. And I said, I'm doing my civic duty big time by doing doing what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm not going to help anybody by doing that. And it's, to me, it's a huge waste of energy. But however, John Meyer just said it, yeah, Marianne Williamson was talking about climate change and trouble, and he was interviewing a climate change expert who was saying, we are in so much more trouble than we think we are. This is trigger stuff, you know. I mean, you know that I did a big thing, but I don't get triggered by that anymore. I'm aware of it, and I think it is a serious bad problem, but it's very different. But I'm going in 10 different directions, so I'll stop talking about that. Well, and so, you know, the the, the thing where I would um, congratulate you is that you have chosen to focus your energy on things you have some control over and it has produced substantial positive results that's why i isolated out that clip from the day before yesterday in your conversation with michael and and used it as a was it um loud enough for you to hear i did hear it it was soft but it was my voice, so I was happy it was soft. You know, who likes their own voice on the radio show? I was glad it was low, but you wanted feedback, so I, yeah. So so it's only 30, uh, 38 seconds, so let's see if this got any louder. I'm just going to play it again real quick. Wow. Okay. Tell him I said I had massive anxiety from puberty until about six years ago when I started doing these wake-up sheets. And I, I get mad and I get upset and I obsess about things, but there's no comparison. The anxiety has, like, physically walked out of my system. I don't have it at all, ever. Not in the early morning when I used to get it the worst. Not during the day. It's beyond relapsability, even. I feel solid <laughs> in it. 
I do tell him, I said, I had massive. Okay. Okay. So it, it was softer. <laughs> it, it was softer, but there's an actual mm-hmm. volume control on the panel. Oh. And so I could I I can make it louder. So I just I did that for for the for future reference, because mm-hmm. I, I I took the uh, I took the audio file and strengthened the signal and then uploaded it again. But it it was still soft. Wow. And now I understand that oh. it was the, it's the the panel. Someone oh. just popped okay. up a hand. I believe it's Magda. Area code eight two eight. Yes, indeed, it is Monica. And uh, just to reference your question, I it was a little bit better today in the volume. I would personally like it a little bit uh, um, higher level volume, just a little bit. It's a great testimonial, yep. by the way. Well, it's just kind of muffled, isn't it? Muffled because it comes through too. Uh, machines, uh, it gets hard to hear. Well, listen, I'm, I'm not going to play the whole thing, but just listen now. I do tell him, I said, I had massive anxiety from puberty. See how much louder that is? <laughs> that is, yeah. I okay, sound so, like so Audrey. That, <laughs> so that's the issue. Yeah, I think that is okay. great. Well, and what what I've been telling people when I uh, share that with them is that, you know, Susan says that after six years of doing the wake-up sheets, and the truth is Susan was sharing testimonials about the positive effects of the wake-up sheets after the first six months or so. She's had several of them over the years where she's been willing to say this is really helping, and that's why... Mm. I like to keep so much of the focus on the practical rather than the the philosophical or the idealistic mm-hmm. and just help people come back to, okay, when this is happening and you're listening to this or you think you're listening to this with whatever's going on in your head, if you catch the earliest possible warning signs of tension or upset or you know, even shouting in your head against what's being said, then apply the worksheet process to that. Interrupt what you think is your listening process because chances are you're not even hearing what the other person has to say anymore. And Mm -hmm. dismantle the tension or upset before discussing, before sitting and spinning in thoughts about it. And that has been a huge benefit to me over the years. Mm-hmm. Takes it right out of the theoretical, right into the practical application. And that turns out to have an effect that is almost like throwing a pebble into the water and you see the immediate result. And then there are these little circles that ripple outward from that and there are lots of other things that reward you somehow or a different, a whole shift in worldview because of that little shift inside over one issue. 
I have noticed the same thing from time to time. Mm. Absolutely. And, you know, this what we're getting this from Anne's conversation earlier and what we had on the uh, support group on Tuesday, we have these powerful examples of how once we get triggered to think, I don't like this guy's voice. I don't think he's right to use that word. I think he's off the mark with mm-hmm. that. Once that happens, it so thoroughly covers, uh, colors our perception that yeah. we're, we're, we're out in left field and we think we're standing on the pitcher's mound or we're behind home plate with the, to, to catch what's being tossed. We're not. And I, I, I told this story yesterday that on Tuesday night in the group, somebody said, oh, I think this is wrong, wrong, wrong. And then I did a short summary of what I thought the person was saying, and the very same person who said, well, I agree with everything you just said, I didn't hear him say any of that. <laughs> right. And, of course, all I was doing was what I thought was paraphrasing. Right. right? And so how close was I to actually – catching the meaning I don't know but what I took as a meaning was closer to what that person was willing to hear <laughs> right yeah. right yeah. so rather than yep. figuring out who's right and what's the truth I find so much more benefit by simply staying in touch with the earliest possible warning signs that I'm tight or tense or irritated mm-hmm. or sad or scared. Yep. And then work to dismantle that before deciding how am I going to interpret what's being shared. Yeah. One of the other great questions in the worksheet is well, I love Magdus so that I can part of it, and then the question toward the end is, how have I failed to do or I have done the opposite of what my goal is for that person? How often have I broken that goal? Flip it backwards around the other way. Byron Katie does that. Absolutely. Yeah, and that, boy, you find out a lot. You realize how much work you have to do. This is a wake-up call for sure. Well, I think it was Julie Haverstick years ago who um, Michael would say has done more worksheets than anybody, including Michael. And Julie, I (laughs) I believe it was Julie who, who said at one point she had come to a realization that Whenever she's holding a goal for someone else and she's upset that she has learned somewhere in her life during that period of time, she is currently violating that very goal. Yeah. Which is, you know, essentially what is, is getting pointed toward in the current worksheet 6C where it asks... You know, where have I violated this goal? But mm-hmm. that wasn't always a part of the worksheet. And I, I think it was Julie Haverstick who came up with that, the realization that 
she could get more mileage out of her worksheets if her second or third level worksheet on an issue was focused on, okay, maybe I cancel the goal for this person, et cetera, but then let me take a look at where am I in my life violating this goal, either not being completely forthcoming or not being fully in my integrity or not honoring Mm -hmm. others, et cetera. Because she, yep. in, in, in doing so many worksheets, she stumbled across that realization that almost every time she had a goal for somebody else and she was feeling upset that they weren't meeting that goal, it was all just smoke and mirrors. And at some other level mm-hmm. in her life that she wasn't looking at directly, she was also doing the very thing that she thought she was upset with somebody else for doing <laughs> Yeah, usually we're pretty much more subtle about it or something. Yeah. Or we think we are. Yeah, Michael Rice says it's all smoke and mirrors, right? If we think <laughs> That's a great, that, yeah. that, that what we're upset about has to do with anyone or anything outside of us, it's all smoke and mirrors. Mm. So, we're down to our last couple minutes. Closing comments, Magda, Sue? Um, Nope, not for me. How about you, Magda? I have to unmute. No, I'm I'm perfectly happy. This has been a great show, as yesterday was. So, yoo-hoo. Thank you. Both of you. <laughs> well, you're very welcome and deserving. Thank you both for your comments. I'll mute you so you can listen to the second hour. I'll remind us all that we are not having a Thursday support group tonight. We will resume again next week, both Tuesday and Thursday. I'll remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. Welcome, Jeannie Rice. Thank you, Dr. Tim. You're very welcome and deserving. Have a wonderful show. Thank you. And welcome, everybody, to the second hour of Mindshifters Radio. Today is July the 27th, 2023, and our call-in number is 563-999-3581. And press 1, and that puts you into queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions because that makes this your show. And I will give Michael a moment to get dialed in there and uh, just uh, tell everybody, remember that today is Thursday. And so at 3.30 Eastern Time today is the uh, book club. You see that on the second and the fourth Thursday of every month. And today is actually Chapter 7 that they're going to cover. And so uh, the link is on the website. You can go under Schedule and Global Book Club. And the Zoom link is there, as is all of the archives. And so you can listen to those. They are out on our Facebook page. And uh, I was just looking to see... thought that I had a question come through on the app, so I was opening up my other email and see what is out there. It's uh, I don't use that email for anything other than the 
why work? No, it's just somebody who said add me to your mailing list. So that's good. So we appreciate those who are using the app. And, uh, uh, oh, okay. So I get some really weird uh, emails from people from the website. You know, there's a contact form where they can send in. And I get everything from, you know, let us do your AI work to let us revamp your website to how about let's go on a date. I mean, it's insane, some of the things that come through off the website. So anyway, that is not a question from the app. I thought it might be. So anyway, I'll welcome Michael at this time. Thank you, dear heart, and welcome, everybody. Delighted that you're with us. Glad we get to continue this conversation about first century Aramaic forgiveness. And actually, the first century Aramaic forgiveness is, is one aspect of this work, but really the conversation's about living a life as a human being, the forgiveness being a key tool in achieving a reconnection and a recovery of ourselves as love, as the truth of who we are, and the removal of the pretense at life that comes from the mind that's been brainwashed and hoodwinked into believing that somebody outside of us is the cause of what's going on inside of us, hoodwinked into believing that if we could just change them, then I could be happy, then I could stay connected. We're looking to shift the belief system, the BS, from believing that the power is outside of us to recognizing that not only is the power inside of us, but the problem is inside of us. The solution is inside of us. And pain living only comes from the fact that there are energetic patterns within that don't belong within. They don't happen because Uncle Charlie did this terrible thing or Aunt Mary did that awful thing or the spouse cheated or, you know, nothing painful happens because of those things in the world when we are, have modeled for us the belief that what's outside of us causes what's going on inside of us. And that usually happens with the power person who introduces us to that situation or that belief system, that BS, very early by giving us an errant message that says, you are the cause of my pain. I'm upset that you made me so mad. Oh, you hurt me so much. All of that's a lie. If it's not in you, you can't feel it, and somebody from the outside can't put it in you. Now, of course, somebody from the outside can trigger it in you, but if it's moving in you, it's moving in you. It belongs to you. So if we go back 2,000 years ago, this man Yeshua said, I come to bring you life, life more abundantly, and that's precisely what we're here to do, is to share the tools, the understanding, and the support for moving into the space where we live without carrying the burdens of hostility and fear. 
the burdens of hostility and fear usually show up as a result of a power person dynamic from childhood that becomes the energy through which we select partners and circumstances. In our Healing Through Relationships workshop, we call that relationships based in matching bags of garbage. When rather than creating our lives consciously and selecting whatever it is that we're going to do consciously, we come from the unconscious, we automatically seek out, we automatically tend to resonate with someone who has the match, who, who has within them the potential to resonate or show us what it is that we need to heal in regard to our power person dynamics. I was working with a gentleman yesterday, and he was sharing about some really, uh, what can I say, dastardly attributes and behaviors that his wife had. And how that was really disturbing to him. And when he became very precise and expressed exactly what that was about, I sprung it on him. Have you ever said that about your mother? And it was just like bewilderment and shock and yeah, that's exactly what my mother did to me. Yeah, well, guess what? You're in a why is this happening to me again experience, but you know what? You're not in a why is this happening experience because of what your wife did. You're in a why is this happening experience because you refuse to forgive what's in you that you put into your brain's image of her. And so the work begins. Am I willing to learn how to communicate in a way that reflects that I'm responsible for what's going on inside of me that no one else can cause me to feel. I mean, someone I was working with, his description of what his wife made him feel when he got down to it and honest, you know, he went through a whole description and then down with the bottom line. It's like, was that a predominant feeling with your power person? Why, shock and surprise? Yes, it was. What a coincidence. No, it's not. No coincidence. It's cause and effect. My offering is that the purpose of my take is life is about life and life abhors death. If we are holding on to something, some kind of disintegrative energy that is going to cause our death, life's going to come in and kick us right in the limitation. Life's going to have someone show up, someone be attracted to us, some, someone move in our direction that knows exactly how to push that button. And there's a very, very old saying in the farming community. If somebody keeps getting your goat, get rid of your goat. If someone can get you by the rage or the fear or the grief or the pain, then get rid of your rage, your fear, your grief, or your pain. And the only consistent, persistent way that I know of on planet Earth to do that is through first century Aramaic forgiveness as taught by Yeshua 2,000 years ago. There's nobody else. There's nowhere else. You're going to find it. 
if you want a tool that will consistently, persistently take you there. So that's what we're here to do, and we're glad that you're on the team being part of the listening ears and putting it out there, supporting it moving around the globe at uh, faster and faster rates. And, Ms. Jeannie, do we have anybody in the phone queue with a hand up or anything happening in the chat room? No, it is all quiet on the home front. Well, do you want to go ahead and do some reading? Okay, I can do that. We are, the last chapter that we read yesterday should have triggered some things in a few people. I think we spoke with Doug afterwards and and uh, said it was challenging for him to actually listen to it. It was about death and appreciate the um, commentaries and the add-ons that you gave to help clarify um, that we can see it from a different perspective and not the way that uh, is written in the book. This is The Untethered much, Soul by Michael Singer. Much like the uh, picture that you found on Facebook yesterday. Right. Somebody and posted I was gonna, that. was such gonna, a perfect example. I was actually going to mention that. Um, if you're on my Facebook page, uh, you can look, and it's the picture's like really weird, and it's like, what is this? Is it like a big stone floating in the air, and there's trees and, and water and stuff? And the photos is real. It wasn't edited. Um, the stone's real. The trees are real. The soil is real. The sky is real. But if you turn the picture upside down, it totally changes your point of view. And when you turn it upside down, what it is is the rock is in the water, and the trees are a reflection in the water, as is the sky. But if you look at it right side up, then it's like, what is this? It doesn't make sense. And it's really kind of funny because most people that commented on it were like, wow, that's an awesome picture. Can I use it? And, and all this. But there was one person that said, I don't get it. And I said, did you turn it upside down? Yes. I said, did you not see that it was different? No. Really? <laughs> it was like, I said, uh, that's impossible to me. At, I know. <laughs> I said, if you look at it as is, it looks like this big rock floating in the sky. I said, if you turn it the upside down, which is actually right side up, then you'll see the rock is in the water and the trees are a reflection in the water. It's totally different, totally different point of view and perspective. And it's a perfect example of how we think we see something or hear something or know something. And then once a little more information is given to us, it can turn our point of view. It can change our perspective and our perception of what it is we're seeing. But I couldn't believe Actually, that she couldn't see a difference when she turned it around. Yeah, yeah, that seems impossible to me. But maybe, uh, you know, if, if the person who posted it was the owner of the picture, maybe asking for permission to use it because it would be a perfect picture to put on the website in the section on perception and changing perception. And, you know, having a picture of it, the, the upside-down picture, which it's just difficult. It's like, what is this? I mean, it looks cool, but what does it mean? What is it? I mean, I can see there's a tree there. I can see there's a sky there. I can see there's a rock there, but it's like, but then when you turn around, it's just like, bingo. And so having both versions of that uh, on uh, a page on the website with uh, on perception would be a, a good demonstration, powerful demonstration of changing perspectives, changing, you know, one piece of information. Of course, what happens when you engage in the Aramaic forgiveness process is that the picture your mind is showing you 
collapses in on the root information when you apply forgiveness, the root information that provides the picture. And when that happens and love is present, then the errors in the whole circumstance via exposure to love tend to dissolve. And that's when all of a sudden you've got a whole different perspective, a whole different uh, uh, reality happens in the mind. So anyway, it, it is a powerful demonstration of it. Let's see if we can get permission to use it. I will. I will do that. Cool. Awesome. So um, the next chapter is Chapter 18. We only have two more chapters in the book. And Chapter 18 is titled The Secret of the Middle Way. Discussion of living life as a spiritual path is complete without addressing one of the deepest of all spiritual teachings. And I won't say this properly. The Tao Te Ching. It discusses that which is very difficult to discuss. The Tao. That, Tao, even though it's a T? Okay. <laughs> it's pronounced as a D here. Okay. So um, that which Lao Tzu called the Tao. Literally translated means the the way, and that made me think of a, the movie The Way, and we ought to watch that again. It was an excellent movie. Um, literally translated means the way. The Tao is so subtle that one can only talk around its edges, but never actually touch it. That's kind of what you talk about um, actuality. That's it. Words could never say. (laughs) Yeah. The very basis for the principles of all of life is laid down. It is a treatise on the balance of the yin and the yang, the feminine, the masculine, the dark and the light. You could easily read the Tao and never understand a single word. Or you could read it and tears pour from your eyes with every word that you read. The question is, do you bring to it the knowledge, the understanding, and the basis for comprehending what it is attempting to express? Unfortunately, spiritual teachings often mask the essence of truth with mystical words. I think that's kind of like uh, Yeshua used to teach in parables because he'd take something simple that he knew they'd understand and give them a deeper meaning behind it. But this balance, this Tao, is actually very simple. Those who have truly learned the secrets of life recognize these truths without having read anything. If you want to understand the Tao, you must take it very slowly and keep it very simple. Otherwise, you may miss it, though it's right in front of you. It's best to approach the Tao through some very simple, almost rhetorical Questions. For example, is it good for a person to eat sometimes? Yes, obviously it is. Is it good for a person to eat all the time? No, of course not. Somewhere in between, you pass over the Tao. It's good to fast periodically? Yes. 
Is it good to never eat? No. The pendulum can swing all the way from gorging yourself to death to starving yourself to death. Those are the two extremes of the pendulum, the yin and the yang, the expansion and contraction, the non-doing and doing. Everything has two extremes. Everything has gradations of this pendulum swing. If you go to the extremes, you cannot survive. That's how extreme the extremes are. For example, do you like hot weather? Yes. Well, how about 6,000 degrees Fahrenheit? Well, you'd instantly be vaporized. Do you like cold weather? Yes. Well, how about absolute zero? The molecules of your body would never move again. Let's use an example that's a little less extreme. Do you like being close to another person? How about being so close that you're never apart? You eat every meal together, you go everywhere together, you do everything together, and when you talk on the phone, you always use a speakerphone so that both of you can partake in every conversation. You want to be so close that Sounds you're the like same us. person. <laughs> well, we do something different. <laughs> like yeah, I went out but, today. Well, we do morning. everything differently, but but most of it's together. <laughs> That's true. What came to my mind was to be so close you're the same person is that um, we know a couple who practically finish each other's sentence, but they talk at the exact same time, and it doesn't seem to bother them that they're both talking over top of each other, but uh, it's kind of hilarious. You want to be so close that you're the same person. How long do you think that could last? That's one extreme in human relationships. The other extreme is that you want your own space. You do your own thing. You're independent. You like being separate so that you always have something to share with each other when you're together. How independent are you? Well, you travel separately. You eat separately. You live in separate houses. At what point are you so separate that no one can figure out if you're having a relationship? You haven't seen each other for years. Both of these extremes will end up the same, too far away. In either case, you won't be talking to each other before long. Everything has its extremes. It's yin yin and it's yang. Now let's get a little subtler. The 6,000 degree temperature doesn't sound so good. The absolute zero doesn't sound so interesting either. Neither does starving to death nor eating until you're sick or not eating until you're sick. But that part uh, about being so close to somebody that you're always together may sound pretty nice. You may at least like to give it a shot. If so, it's because your pendulum has begun to swing in the opposite direction for too long. You've had too much time alone, too many dinners alone, too many movies alone, too much traveling alone. In other words, your pendulum has swung off center. From science, we know that if you pull a pendulum 30 degrees to the right, it will swing back until it, you don't need Laotzu to tell you this. All the laws are the same, inner laws and outer laws. The same principles drive everything in this world. If you pull a pendulum out one way, it will swing back just that far the other way. If you've been starving for days and somebody puts food in front of you, you won't be polite while you're eating. You will shove the food into your mouth like an animal. The degree to which you will act like an animal is the exact degree to which you were starved enough to bring up your animal instincts. 
So where is the Tao? The Tao is in the middle. It's the place where there is no energy pushing in either direction. The pendulum has been permitted to come to balance concerning food, relationships, sex, money, doing, not doing. Everything has its yin and yang. The way is the place in which these forces balance quietly. And indeed, unless you go out of the way, they will tend to stay in peaceful harmony. If you want to understand the Tao, you must take a closer look at what lies between the two extremes. This is because neither extreme can last. How long can a pendulum stay at one of its outermost positions? It can only remain there for a moment. How long can a pendulum stay at rest? It can remain there forever because there are no forces moving it out of balance. That is the Tao. It is a center. But what does not but that does not mean that it stays static and fixed. We're about to see that it's much more dynamic than that. First, you have to realize that since everything has its yin and yang, it has its own balance point. It is the harmony of all these balance points woven together that forms the Tao. This overall balance maintains its equilibrium as it moves through time and space. Its power is phenomenal. If you want to imagine the power of the Tao, examine how much energy is wasted swinging sideways. Suppose you want to go from point A to point B, but instead of walking there directly, you move from side to side like a a sine wave. That would take a long time and you would waste a lot of energy. In other words, it's not efficient to oscillate around the path To be efficient, you must center all of your energies on the path. If you do this, the energies that used to be wasted swinging sideways will get pulled into the center. This concentration of energies is used to accomplish the given task much more efficiently. This is the power of the Tao. Stop swinging between the opposites. You'll find you have far more energy than you ever imagined. That which takes somebody else's hours will take that which takes somebody else hours will take you minutes that which wears out other people will draw very little of your energy that's the difference between struggling with the opposites versus staying centered in order to get something done this principle holds true in every aspect of life if you are in balance you eat when it's time to eat in a way that maintains the health of your body To do otherwise is to waste energy dealing with the effects of eating too little, eating too much, or eating the wrong foods. It is much more efficient to deal with the body in a balanced manner than to be burdened with the efforts of the extremes. Basically, you waste tremendous energy at the extremes. The more extreme it is, the more it becomes a full-time project. The relationship in which you insist upon being together all the time would be a full-time job. The only way you could have another job is if you both did the same work at the same desk. At the other extreme, if you had no relationship and you were lonely and depressed all the time, you couldn't accomplish much. So again, it takes all your energy to do the extremes. The inefficiency of your actions is determined by how many degrees off-center you are you will be that much less able 
to use your energy for living life because you are using it to adjust for the pendulum swings. Extremes are good teachers. When you examine the extremes, it's easy to see the effects of imbalanced behavior patterns. Let's take an example of a chain smoker. He always has a cigarette in his mouth. He's constantly lighting up another. A meaningful percentage of his life is involved in smoking. He's buying cigarettes, lighting cigarettes, and smoking cigarettes. He's also very busy trying to find places where he's allowed to smoke. And since he doesn't like having to go outside to light up, he's joining the committees in favor of allowing smoking in public places. Notice how much of his energy is going into smoking. Now imagine that he decides to quit. Not a single cigarette anymore. If a year later you ask him what he did last year, he'll tell you that he quit smoking. That was his life for the past year. First, he tried the chewing gum. That didn't really help. He tried the patch. When that didn't work, he moved on to hypnotherapy. And because the pendulum was so far to one extreme with his smoking, it had to swing to the opposite extreme in order for him to stop smoking. Both extremes were a tremendous waste of time, energy, and effort that could have gone into more productive aspects of his life. When you spend your energy trying to maintain the extremes, nothing goes forward. You get stuck in a rut. The more extreme you are, the less forward movement there is. You carve a groove and you get stuck in it. Then there's no energy moving you in the Tao. It's all being spent serving the extremes. The way is in the middle because that's the place where the energies are balanced. But how do you stop the pendulum from swinging to the outer edges? Amazingly enough, you do this by leaving it alone. It won't keep swinging to the extremes unless you feed the extremes with energy. Just let the extremes go. Don't participate in them. And the pendulum will naturally come toward the center. As it comes to the center, you will get filled with energy. This is because all the energy that had been wasted is now available to you. If you choose to center and not participate in the extremes, you will come to know the Tao. You don't grab it. You don't even touch it. It's just what the energy does when it's not being used to swing toward the extremes. It finds its own way to the center of each event that takes place in life and remains quietly in the middle. The Tao is hollow, empty, like the eye of a hurricane. Its power is its emptiness. All things swirl around it, but it is unmoved. The swirl of life draws its energy from the center, and the center draws its energy from the swirl of life. All these laws are the same in weather, in nature, and in every aspect of your life. As you center by not participating in the swings, the energies will naturally find their balance. You will become much clearer because so much energy is flowing up in you. The experience of being present in each moment will become your natural state. You won't be fixated on certain things or caught up in thoughts about the opposites. As you get clearer, life's events will actually seem to unfold in slow motion. Once this happens, events will no longer seem confusing or overwhelming, no matter what they are. This is quite different from how people live. If they're driving a car and somebody cuts them off, they get upset for the next hour or maybe for the rest of the day. For the being who is in the Tao, 
events take place and last just as long as they're taking place. And that's it. If you're driving and somebody cuts you off, you feel your energy start to pull off center. You actually feel it in your heart. As you let it go, it comes back to center. You don't follow the extreme, so your energy comes back to current moment. When the next event happens, you're there. You're always there. And that makes you much more capable than the person who is reacting to past imbalances. Almost everyone has a point at which they get out of balance. Once gone, who's minding the sore? Who takes care of the energies that unfold while you're not there? Remember, whoever remains present with fixity of purpose comes out on top in the end. When you move in the Tao, you are always present. Life becomes absolutely simple. In the Tao, it's easy to see what's happening in life. It's unfolding right in front of you. But if you have all kinds of reactions going on inside because you're involved in the extremes, life seems confusing, that's because you're confused, not because life's confusing. When you stop being confused, everything becomes simple. If you have no preference, if the only thing you want is to remain centered, then life unfolds while you simply feel for the center. There is an invisible thread that passes through everything. All things move quietly through the center balance. That is the Tao. It is really there. It is there in your relationships, in your diet, and in your business activities. It is there in everything. It is the eye of the storm. It is completely at peace. To give you an idea of what it feels like to be in that center, let's use the example of sailing. We'll begin by going sailing when there's no wind. That's one extreme. And we're not going anywhere. Now, let's go sailing when there's tremendous wind, but there's no sail. That's the opposite extreme. And again, we're not going anywhere. Sailing is such a good example because there are many forces interacting together. There's the wind, the sail, the rudder, and the tension of the ropes on the sail. There is a tremendous interplay of forces. What happens if the wind is blowing and you hold the sail too loosely? It doesn't work. What if you hold it too tightly? You tip over. To sail properly, you must hold it just right. But where is just right? It is in the center point of tautness of the sail against the force of the wind. Not too much, not too little. That's what we call the sweet spot. Imagine that feeling when the wind hits the sail just right and you're holding the ropes just right. You take off with a perfect feeling of balance. Then the wind shifts and you adjust to it. You, the wind, the sail, and the water are one. All the forces are in harmony. Should one force shift, then the other shift at the same instant. This is what it means to move in the way. In the Tao of sailing, the balance point is not static. It's a dynamic equilibrium. You move from balance point to balance point, from center to center. You can't have any concepts or preferences. You have to let the forces move you. In the way, nothing is personal. You are merely an instrument in the hands of the forces. Participate in the harmony of balance. You must reach the point where your whole interest lies in the balance and not in the personal preference for how things should be. It's that way with all of life. The more you can work with the balance, the more you can just sail through life. 
Effortless action is what happens when you come into the Tao. Life happens. You're there. But you don't make it happen. There is no burden. There is no stress. The forces take care of themselves as you sit in the center. That is the Tao. It's the most beautiful place in all of life. You can't touch it, but you can be one. You can be at one with it. Eventually, you will see that in the way of the Tao, you're not going to wake up, see what to do, and then go do it. In the Tao, you are blind, and you have to learn how to be blind. You can never see where the Tao is going. You can only be there with it. A blind person walks down a city street with the use of a cane. Let's give that cane a name. It's the seeker of the extremes. It's the feeler of the edges. It's the toucher of the yin and the yang. People who walk with the use of that cane often tap from side to side. They're not trying to find where they should walk. They're trying to find where they shouldn't walk. They're finding the extremes. If you cannot see your way, all you can do is feel for the edges. But if you feel the edges and you don't go there, you'll stay in the way. That's how you live in the Tao. All the great teachings reveal the way of the center, the way of balance. Constantly look to see if that's where you're living or if you're lost in the extremes. The extremes create their opposites. The wise avoid them. Find the balance in the center and you'll live in harmony. Sounds like trusting Rukka. Yeah. Sounds like recognizing that within us, there's this feminine elemental force that 2,000 years ago in Aramaic was described as Ruka de Kutcha, and that when we're in tune with that elemental force within us, then there's going to be guidance in literally everything that could possibly happen. And by being in harmony with that guidance, and to me, it sounds like he's describing this state of living in the elemental forces as opposed to living in one's head. I remember back, oh, this goes back probably 30-some years ago, there was a, a fairly elderly Italian woman that I, I worked with, was a student, used to come, this is way back when I was, so it's more than that, it's 40 years ago when I was in Atlanta. And she would come to my classes in Atlanta from New York. She was she lived in New York City. Her son actually was a, the man who started the group in New York called the Guardian Angels. She was just an, actually it was a couple, and they were both just awesome people. But she shared with me one day as her father lay on his deathbed, asking him, and he was old country, old school, you know, Italian patriarch. And she asked him, I mean, he's he's literally, according to her, was like within hours of death. And she asked him, you know, and, and he was almost inanimate. And she said, Papa, 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 what, what's the key to life? What? And... She said he just sat straight up and put his hand up in the air, pointed up in the air. Valencia, Valencia. And a very short time later, he passed. There were his last words. But uh, balance, yes, that's definitely a key in the process. 
And when we go out of balance, the thing that, uh, that creates this out-of-balance state where we become emotionally distraught, mentally disturbed, is when some form of hostility or fear enters into our perceptual world. And so the, uh, the pathway there, to me, as opposed to seeking balance as much, would be seeking our guidance and seeking to live as the presence of love and living as that presence of love, if hostility or fear entered, you knew you were getting ready to go out of balance, and that's the place to apply the forgiveness process in order to dissolve the energetic patterns that would knock life off kilter, knock us out of balance, and to take responsibility for those states. And yet they're so... extreme for most people because they're based in misunderstood, misinterpreted patterns that come from childhood, patterns that usually involve a power person and a great deal of pain. And so the the thing you know, to me that you know we talked to use the example of cane you know that would be like tapping back and forth would be checking out is there any hostility in this is there any fear in this if there's hostility or fear then i have a tool i have a way to remove that and that for me would be a a, a description of a way to live that would keep us in balance and keep the healing of, of our own life force, of our own genetics, our family system. Keep that healing, number one, right up there in front of life. So just a few thoughts in that regard. What does that bring up for you, Jeannie? It is all good. Um, just... Uh Staying in the balance is sometimes, you know, uh, ego and the being are the extremes. I don't know. I'm with you on that. Well, let's check and see if that uh, brings anything up for anyone or anything. Anyone has a uh, a question uh, to uh, to share with us? What's on your mind? What's happening in your world? Is there any support that you need with the use of the tools? We've got 20 minutes. We've got lots of time for some good conversation about this this amazing first century Aramaic perspective on life that uh, once you start to comprehend it is pretty mind-boggling. So if you're out there in listener land, what's on your mind? How can we support you? If you're out there in listener land and you've been listening to the show for a long time and we never hear from you, how about checking in? Push one and say hello. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what's going on in your world. We have a hand up, and I believe that, oh, where'd he go? There he is. Terry, 828, you're on the air. Michael. Hey, welcome, good sir. How do you be? 
good. How are you folks doing? Rock and roll. You hear me okay? Yeah, that- you hear me okay? You're loud and clear. I was up at about 6 o'clock this morning out in the garden uh, getting a new compost pile set up. Getting ready nice, for the next nice. demand for soil. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Did a little work with a friend of yours, and all things are rock and roll. Oh, yeah. He, he was so excited, and, and I was so excited and uh, appreciative. Um as I've seen, and I can only imagine what you've seen, there's so many people that are exposed and they'll take it, do a little, and, you know, whatever. It's just whatever a person is at with their level. So when someone really takes it and uh, uh, works with it in an enthusiastic and, and bold way, you know, like uh, uh, Dan is, it's just it just feels good. And it makes it feel all worthwhile to me, even if just one person says, hey, you know what, I see what's going on here. Let's see if we can't do this. Let's let's get in there and uh, do this work and understand that it's, it's not an instant fix, that there's layers and layers and layers, and that there's uh, things that are going to come up. However, I've been able to take a different attitude. Oh, I see that stuff's up. Not oh, I see that stuff's up. You know, it's like it's a whole different energy around <laughs> right. that. And 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 it's uh, uh, it it um, creates a, a, a picture of life that uh, can be enthusiastic, and it's interesting because there's just so much to it and so much going on. And, uh, working, you know, with all this energy and our lives and all. So I, I did. I just came in on the show. I took took care of a whole bunch of things, and I thought, well, now's my time. I'm gonna jump on a radio show. And uh, cool. I feel I would like to hear you expand a little bit more about verbal links. Is that a, something that you okay. could like uh, throw us a little insight on too? That's something I'm I'm working in with, and of course, and doing the mind shifters, and uh, I shared it with about three people about the purple alligator analogy, and they got it really fast with the file folder effect and all that, so I would really like to enjoy hearing you giving me a little recap on some of that stuff. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that's a good question. And, you know, we'll start with the idea, you know, one of the things we identify in the laws of living class, if you remember is what we call the automatic decision system. And that is when a certain event occurs that resonates something in mind, the mind kicks in with its selected behavior, whatever it's programmed to do, automatic, you know, pilot. I can say to myself, well, I'm never going to do this again. You know, uh, Michael in the reading that, uh, that Jeannie did was talking about somebody quitting smoking and, you know, well, I'm going to quit smoking. And people say, you know, yeah, I'm an expert at that. I've done it a thousand times. But but they're not able to do it because the automatic decision system kicks in with, no, no, I'm programmed for something different. And there's actually a story, you know, this, is, this comes out of laws of living. And whenever I talk about this particular idea, 
although the automatic decision system doesn't come from laws of living, verbal links do. And uh, Dan McDougall, who was my partner in developing that, used to tell a story about a woman who he worked with, and, you know, we had a pretrial release program. The judge would sentence people to laws of living, and they'd have to do a personal code evaluation and take the course laws of living. And if they, you know, they'd start out and do an evaluation and then do the course, and the, the results would be turned into the judge of their personal code evaluation. And if he felt like they'd gotten enough shifts, then he'd expunge their records. He'd, he'd give them a, a contract. You know, three years, if you stay clean, I'm going to expunge your record. Nobody will know this ever happened. And uh, so that was kind of part of what laws of living was about in the initial phases. And Dan used to like to tell a story about a woman who would write bad checks and go to jail and went to jail several times over it. And he tells the story about how when he would say to her, you know, she, she would want something. She'd want to buy something. And she wouldn't have the money. She'd just write a check. And her word association, her mental association with the words bad check were fun and exciting things. You know, she wanted to buy or wanted to have. And she would end up in the jail cell over and over and over again. Like she was never able to change that behavior. So he assigned her a verbal link to shift her existing link from bad check equals I have fun or I get what I want. And the assignment she was given, the verbal link she was given was bad checks equal jail. As soon as she, when she spent, like, you know, the instruction is to do that verbal link four times a day, every day. She did that verbal link for about a week, and her, her personal code evaluation changed. She got out of jail and never went back to jail again. And she'd been in jail. I don't remember now. This is, you know, 30 years ago, 35 years ago. But she was probably in jail six or seven times over the same thing. You know, stupid stuff. I mean, she'd write a bad check for 30 bucks in order to get something, you know, it was meaningless. It wasn't that she was starving to death and had to eat. <laughs> But she had this word link in her mind. And as soon as her verbal link to bad checks became jail, that was it. She never went back again. So the idea of a verbal link is to recognize a place where you don't have much control over your own mind. When the automatic decision system kicks in and you go off in a, a rabbit trail that you end up being embarrassed over or hurt by or, or what have you. You know, it often, you know, happens in addictions and relationships. So the idea is to pick a pair of words that will kick out the old association that causes the automatic decision system to force a behavior and bring in something new. Like, for instance, let's say somebody, every time that their spouse offends them, they go into a rage. So their verbal link would be offense, rage. So we'd assign them a new verbal link, and the verbal link would be offense, breathing in love. And once one had written that four times a day, 
you know, three or four times, four times a day for a week or two, if offense happened, the mind would automatically kick in with, oh, breathe and love. So it's understanding how the automatic decision system works and giving it a new result that becomes associated in your mind and assists in breaking old patterns. Does that make sense? I think I'm muted, though. Yeah, you're back. Uh, yes, that makes that makes sense. And you said four times a day. Just four times forever. a day. Write it, write it four or five times, four times a day. Yeah, write that verbal link. Repeat it three or you four don't or five write times. The, the old one, you don't write the, do anything no. with the old link. It's, you just cancel that and start writing the new link. Correct. Exactly. Yes. Correct. And, and you'll how, notice, how many you know, if, verbal links. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, how many verbal links can a person work on at a time? Well, I mean, theoretically, of course, it's unlimited. Uh, you'll notice with the per- you'll remember first of all when you uh, you know the last time you did a personal code, the uh, the feedback was limited. It didn't have the mind shifter. It didn't have what workshops to listen to. It didn't have the verbal link in it as, as you got with that personal code evaluation you did recently. And so usually what we do is out of the, you know, the, the ten different areas, we suggest that you work in your three greatest challenge areas with the verbal link. So just do three. And that's, that's plenty for the mind to work with at one time. Sometimes we assign four, especially if it's somebody that's been doing the work for a while, but, but three is a, is a pretty fair load for the mind to work with. Okay, that's good. That's very helpful. When, when is your next workshop? Next workshop. Which workshop are you – what are you meaning by the next workshop? What's the next one coming up? I know I've got – I'm on monthly uh, – uh, online thing, but have you guys got another workshop planned anytime soon? Well, remember, you've also got, you know, you you set up to do the uh, codependence to interdependence intensive, so you've got 90 hours of video there to uh, to work with. We are, are looking at doing an online intuitive development workshop. It will probably be a 10-week thing that will be a Saturday and Sunday for 10 weeks. But we haven't established that uh, firmly yet. But I guess what, what I was asking for, I, I've got some new people, right? And uh, um, right. they could really benefit from the from the from the basic YN workshop, you know. And I and well, uh, I'll just, uh, that was I was wondering if you're doing that on an ongoing basis for folks or what? Right. Well, actually, I'll just send you a link, and I'm sure Jeannie will put it in the notes. Uh, back, oh, I don't know, maybe three months ago we did uh, Why Is This Happening to Me Again workshop. And, and that's always been one that, uh, you know, was in our catalog, and people had to buy it, either the audio or the video. But about three months ago we did one, and it's just out there as a free uh, uh, workshop on our YouTube channel. So I'll send you a link to that, and you can pass that on to them, and they can watch it at any point. And, of course, 
if they decide to download the app or start doing worksheets, we're here to answer questions. Oh, yeah, so that's I'll fantastic. You, I'll, I'll send you that like, link. Yeah, thank you. I feel there's like a momentum uh, brewing with me, and uh, I've got, oh, maybe, I know I've got four seriously interested in learning more, and then that'll extrapolate out. So it would be nice to have this. I, I think that's like the foundation piece that kind of gives us some information because I do share the, the PowerPoint, which is really good, but I really like something that's got, you know, your personal touch into it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, we've got a, a three-hour, why is this happening to me again? And I'll send you the link, and you can pass that on. Or you might even, uh, I'd make a suggestion, maybe gather, you know, the people that you're working with on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon, make it a little gathering, maybe share some food, and do a, do the the video, do the the workshop live with them, answer questions, that sort of thing. And there are some restaurants out there that will actually give you, you know, a small private room uh, to do something like that as long as everybody buys a meal. So that might be something to do. Outstanding. I know... I know you've been looking more toward, you know, teaching, and that might be a good way to, to get it started. And so you could take that uh, that three-hour video and uh, show it, uh, do some question answers, do a worksheet together, and get it rocking. That's an awesome idea, and I'm I'm working on clearing my shop space up and and uh, setting it up just for something like that. So that's a very oh, really? oh, timely awesome. suggestion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, cool. I'm a little bit of a pack rat. <laughs> I'm a little bit of a pack rat. So it's like, okay, it's time to clean house here a little bit, and then I'm going to make a space for, you know, six or eight pin chairs. I've got a, I've got a screen, big screen. Uh, I'll need to get someone to help me figure out how to... Uh, uh, play a link, but you said it's on YouTube. It's a YouTube link. Yeah, yeah, it's on YouTube. Most televisions oh, you can, okay, or great. smart TVs, you can just you know do it right there. And um, yeah, it, my my thought would be, you know, set that up for a, a Saturday afternoon or something, and uh, and then do a one evening a week, do a support group, do a mind shifters group. You know, every oh, Tuesday right. night, seven o'clock. Do a, a two-hour mind shifters group. And, you know, the way that I started doing this work when I was in South Florida, I was actually uh, invited to, to teach at a unity center. And uh, basically, I, I ended up doing Course in Miracles, but I was teaching the first century Aramaic forgiveness work. And what really got it building, you know, Fort Lauderdale was a place where a lot of people came from all over the country, all over the world, and we'd go back home, and they'd go back home and say, well, you know, we have nothing like this. And that's what really started my work moving around the, the country and around the world. And so once a week, we got together and uh, and did a two-hour session. So that might be uh, a, a thing to do is use the uh, three-hour Why Is This Happened to Me Again workshop to start a mind shift to support group. And, uh, and what I what I found... And we used to average, 
in that Course in Miracles study group in South Florida, we used to average anywhere from 80 to 125 people every week. Wow. And what, would that what caused that to happen was just like? being there. Say it again. Well, what actually, Jeannie. What group look like? Yeah. The first time I came to visit Jeannie here in Bristol, uh, you know, she, we had met. Uh, we met online. And then she came to visit me. We, we actually met in a couple different cities, went out and spent some time with Michael J. in Kansas City and such. And then I came here and, and did a Why Is This Happening to Me Again workshop. And then Jeannie picked up and did a support group. That support group went on for years here in, uh, in Bristol, or actually in Johnson City, just down the road a little bit. And Jeannie wrote up a set of guidelines doing that so that's all online we'll get you a link maybe Jeannie will even put them in the put it in the notes today so anybody that wants to do that could do that you know if this is your work to teach you know take it and start putting it out there and we're here to support it and you know you don't have to know everything about it we're always here for questions it's always safe to say I don't know but we'll ask about it on the next radio show and and have the conversation so that'd be awesome to see you start a support group down there Well, it's right. It's right here. It's happening. You know, okay. Well, we'll put it on the website. We'll out. announce it. Fabulous. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. Very excited about it. Well, we have a format also for a flyer. I'll ask Jeannie to send you a copy of hers. And we've got a blank that you can fill in with your credentials and what you're doing. And uh, we'll put it on the website and promote it, and you can print it up and hand it out to people. You know, the, the biggest thing I found when I was in Fort Lauderdale was the fact that every Wednesday, you know, our class there was on Wednesday nights. Every Wednesday night, we did this for about seven years. Every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, everybody knew there was going to be a support group, and it happened. And when people know there's that kind of support, the word spreads, and people want to gather and want to want to heal. So that'd be awesome to have that happening down there. And it certainly is a, a large enough population around here. Unlike the mountains, so it's in a pretty remote area that uh, I can right, see this right. really spreading around here. Like a like a whole new resurgence of, uh, of this. I, I can already see it happening. Awesome. Well, I'll I'll join in seeing it with you. And the show's about to cut us off, so I'm going to just say thanks everybody for joining us. And Terry, I'll send you a link as soon as we get off the show. And uh, everybody have the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings. Appreciate you, Terry. Take care. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with Dr. Michael Rice and myself, Jeannie Rice, and Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pache as we present the First Century Aramaic Internal Process of Forgiveness. We are here for two hours every Monday through Friday from 12 noon to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Mind Shifters Radio. 
For more information on Aramaic forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.why 